Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast that explores the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Yes, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We're back in the pages of The Flash this week. We're doing a story from issue 216. It's the final issue of The Flash to have the branding of 52 big pages. Don't take less. Going forward, we'll see the DC Comics prices drop by five cents, but also their page count will drop much more significantly. But we'll talk about that in future, I'm sure. Now, issue 216 of The Flash. Peter's going to tell you about the cover. A lot's happening in this cover. Mm. An awful lot's happening in this cover. First of all, in the top left-hand corner, we've got a flash running towards us with DC The Flash written above him, just in case you weren't sure. Along the banner at the top there, it says, Extra, a Kid Flash Super Speed Story. We then have the Flash logo. Underneath that, we have all the action from the main story. There's a full moon looming in the background. Take a drink. Yep, as Mr. Element is blasting the Flash who's running by and he seems to be converting him into some sort of horrible green goopy plasma. Oh no. Yes, it's very dynamic. I love how it's almost Mm. like Mr. Element is taking three separate blasts as as the Flash runs past. It's a very dazzling cityscape in the background. Mr. Element's up on a fire escape. It's very exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a banner that says, A new rogues gallery thriller, The Flash versus Mr. Element in Curse Curse of of the the Dragon's Dragon's Eye. Eye. And at the very bottom it says, Plus a golden age Flash classic. Anything can happen. Wow, how exciting. So there we are. So which one of these stories are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Can you guess, listeners? Well, yes, we won't leave you in suspense any longer. No. We're doing the Kid Flash story, because it's nice and short, and it probably fits into a remit of exploring the myriads of universes of pre-crisis DC. And because it's only eight pages long, it means Peter doesn't have to do an awful lot of editing this week. So that's nice. It also means we get to talk about Wally in a nice yeah, short story. this is true. He basically is legacy. You know, he uh-huh. really took on the mantle of the Flash, and I'll be honest, he was a better Flash than Barry. Yeah, I can't argue. But Pre-Crisis Barry is still my favourite Flash. But Wally, I think, was better at being the Flash. But there we go. I think Wally's my favourite Flash, to be honest. Ah. Yeah, on balance. Big fan of the, the Mark Wade run in the 90s. Loved what he did with him. Indeed, yes. Awesome. It was Wally that was in the Justice League cartoon and all that sort of stuff. I'm one of these people that is firmly in the camp that Barry should have stayed dead. Yes, me too. Me too. Yeah, because it just took... Everything they'd done with Wally and basically flushing down a loo said it didn't matter. You know, I'm told yeah. it's because of certain high-up members of DC not liking, you know, the legacy aspect and wanting it just to return it to the Silver Age guys, which is like... Yep. Mm, I mean, I remember we had Green Lantern Rebirth at one point, and that was quite good because it kind of mm-hmm. brought Hal Jordan back into being from being the Spectre. But very soon after, they did the Flash Rebirth, and it was torturous. Yeah. It was awful. With you on that. But anyway, those stories are all far, far in the future, and we won't be talking about them any further in this podcast. <laughs> So, you were delighted to realise, of course, that this is another one of those episodes where, after we go into great efforts to describe the cover to you, it's not the story that we're covering. Mm. So, yes, the Kid Flash story, Flash 216, published upon the 25th of April, 1972. And if you're reading along, you can flick past the opening story with Barry and Mr. Element and all that sort of stuff, which does look quite good, to be honest. Who's that drawn by? Let's have a look. Looks like Arvnovic. It's one of these weird stories because they don't really know what to do with Dr. Alchemy and Mr. Element. Every time he appears, he's got a different reason for why he is the way he is. It's it's bizarre. Later on, it's his astral twin who is evil when our Al Desmond is good and vice versa. Gosh. 
Sometimes he's influenced by a, a magical gargoyle. Sometimes it's cosmic alignment when certain stars are in alignment. He's evil. It's they just can't make up their mind. It's bizarre. Yeah, I remember reading many stories with him back in the day and just being sort of like, "Oh right, that's what's happening with him in this issue. That's fine." And then there was the whole thing where Reverse Flash was a complete Mister Element fanboy and was stalking him. That's right. Classic story from the Silver Age, but really, really odd. But a lovely homage cover on that one. Yes, another homage to Flash 123, and I'm fairly sure I've posted that yes. on the socials many, many moons ago when we first did Flash 123. So if you can be bothered scrolling back on our Instagram page, listeners, you could probably find those. Mm. So, on with today's adventure. Story page number one, which is about halfway through the comic. There is a banner along the top that reads, A, a new, new Kid, Kid Flash, Flash story. story. Our opening panel, you see a nice yellow fancy car driving along the highway. Nice countryside location. A caption says, For Wally West, the distance between Blue Valley High School and Valley State College is 40 miles and four years. And from inside this speeding vehicle, Wally West is thinking, I'd get there much faster as Kit Flash travelling on foot, but what better way to try out these new wheels than by driving to my college interview? And we get a nice close-up of Wally in panel two. He's wearing a green shirt with a sort of white... If I said square polka dots, that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we get a nice close-up. And this thing always gets me. Wally's always drawn in the old days with more brown hair than red. But when he turns mm-hmm. to Kid Flash, his hair seems to switch. And I don't know if that was ever addressed in a plot line, you know, in a story that he changed his hair colour or something. But I'm always... I'm always slightly discombobulated to not see him as a redhead, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is a hair dye situation going on, but I can't remember exactly how it works offhand, mm. I'll be honest. Maybe when we do our superheroes and their haircuts and hairstyles and hair dye podcast, we'll dig it out. I think basically we'll do a story where Kid Flash travels back in time and meets the Western Johnny Thunder and finds out what he does <laughs> to colour his hair. Oh, and yes. he copies him. Fantastic. When we do our DC comics, yes. we'll definitely have that. That works for me. That definitely works for me. So this close-up of Wally, smiling, eyes bright and shiny as he drives to his new destination. He's thinking, I'm probably the best driver on the road, what with my super-fast sight and reflexes. And then the sequence of the story is interrupted now by the title of the story, which large red block letters and inverted commas, which says... 2D? And that's, that's like 5D or 3D, it's just the number 2, the letter D in a question mark, i.e. meaning two dimensions. And another little bit of captioning says... A mystifying title for this tale, yet an apt one for the puzzling phenomenon Kid Flash will soon encounter. Next panel has a couple of captions that tells the stories by Steve Skeets, our old pal, and the art is by both Dick Dillon and Dick Giordano, so that's quite exciting. We're inside Wally's car for panel three, looking over his shoulder out the road ahead, and we can see a hitchhiker bearing a sign that says Valley State College. We shall describe the hitchhiker. She's a young lady, tight-fitting blue top, fancy patterned flared trousers, long blonde hair. And Wally clocks her and thinks, Ah, a heavenly hitchhiker going my way. As we arrive in the first panel of page two, Wally is drawn to a halt, and he says, Hop in. I'm Valley State bound too. You an undergrad? Haven't seen you around. No, I'm just a high schooler taking the campus tour. You can see also here that the young lady has some very fancy sunglasses perched on top of her head. She's got a bit of a Gwen Stacy vibe around her, to be honest. She does, yes. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Is this the, the Gwen Stacy of, of Earth One? The caption then for page two, panel two, says... And when the duo arrives on campus... Yes, they've got out of the car and they've looked around and everything seems to be, well, as our new blonde friend says, deserted. This is exam week. But even though the kids who had early exams have gone home, there should still be someone here. 
Faculty members, administration people. And the someone who was going to show me around. Our new blonde friend, who looks very lithe in this panel, she starts to, to walk off here, saying, I'll head over to the art centre. There's always a gang hanging around there. Join me, Wally? I'd better stay here, Hildy, in case my guide shows up. So she's called Hildy, so that's what we'll see going forward. Yeah. Now, the next panel is a big high-angle shot of Wally standing next to his car amongst the empty college grounds, and he's thinking, I don't like this. There's an eerie silence about the place, like a ghost town. And then the final panel, page two, from off-camera, there's a massive, eee! scream. Wally's head whirls around as he hears it, and he cries, That scream, coming from Hildy's direction. In the first panel, page three, we see Wally, well... Very helpfully, Wally thinks and says, Sounds like trouble. And press the costume ring time. It's identity safe. No one's around. Yeah, sure enough, a little flash of energy, if you pardon the pun, on his hand as he speeds forward and his costume rockets out of its concealed hiding place. Maltu, he's fitting the costume into place as he thinks, First time in a long while I've had to change to Kit Flash on the run. But what have I run into? Yep, that's in panel three, as we see his eyes wide as he takes in what's going on. And in panel four, we see a couple of very large, brutish, they almost look like they're made out of clay, almost like golems in a way. Yeah. Blue figures with gold-coloured wristbands, harnesses and stuff, and there's a weird sort of headset that each of them are wearing. And very helpfully, Wally thinks and describes what's going on. Aliens! Monstrous creatures carrying off Hildy to the art centre. Yes, we can see Hildy in the arms of one of the creatures, and there's a big sign that says Valley State Art Centre on top of one of the buildings. The final larger panel of page three shows Wally in action, zooming up and striking the, the large golem-like creatures from the back. He cries, Let that girl go! And then he thinks, Doubt if they can understand me, so my action will have to speak louder than my words. First panel of page four is a cracker. Definitely going in the socials. Wally's getting stuck in, he thinks. My punches don't seem to bother them. But my karate chops are painful enough to make this one drop the girl. Yeah, and the creature seems to cry out. Ooh. It's very odd. It's definitely, we can see it's reacting to, to Wally striking. It's, it's let go of Hildy, who falls, and Wally catches her in the next panel. But the creatures are still walking towards the art centre. That's interesting. Wally thinks, Hope Hildy's all right, so I can go after these freaks. They must hold the key to what's happened to all the people around here. Hildy starts to come to in panel three, saying... Kid Flash? How did you get here? Why? Hold your questions till later. I'll be back as soon as I can with the answers. And Wally, indeed, rushes off towards the art centre. Hildy can only watch him go, as Kid Flash thinks... They went into the art centre. They went into the art centre. Did they go into the art centre to see menswear perform? Who can say? Mm. Mm. Just imagine, Maybe. that was the twist. <laughs> Everyone was at a menswear gig. Oh, that, <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Mystery solved! <laughs> That's a story we'll have to write in our DC comic. It'll be set in 1996, which means Wally will be visiting Kyle, or Kyle will be visiting Wally and Connor Hawk yeah. and, and Connell, and Bart Allen will all drop past, and you know something weird will be going on. That everybody's vanished, but it turns out that everyone's got to see. <laughs> that's, that's it exactly. Amazing. Shell supported by the Pied Piper. Yes. <laughs> or the Pied Piper has hypnotised menswear into performing so that you can rob everyone in the credits. It, it raises itself. itself. It's perfect, yes. <laughs> Look off And Jack Knight can be there as well and it really needs six legacy DC superheroes to deal with them all. <laughs> Jack will be dismissive of menswear until Matt Everett says something about a band that he likes and then Jack will bond with Matt. It's just, it's amazing, isn't it's, it? Yes, perfect. <laughs> anyway, the first panel of page five is captioned. But when Kid Flash races in... Wally rushes in, and I hope he's careful not to, to slide on this very shiny floor. He rushes past a particular canvas as he thinks, No sign of him, huh? 
thought I saw something move near the cave in that surrealistic painting. Yes, it's a large narrow rectangle showing a sort of pink and grey landscape, like rocks and mountains, but squared off and looking very unusual. Mm. In panel two, Wally has stopped and taken a closer look. He thinks, Ah, oh, come on, kid. This is a two-dimensional painting. If anything moved around that cave, it must have been a fly. Panel three is a nice aerial cutaway shot where the roof of the building has been taken off so we can see inside it. The kid Flash is running around, searching every room. And as all this is going on, he's thinking, They're nowhere inside the building. Or outside. We get a nice thoughtful close-up of, of Wally in panel four as he stands outside, thinking, They were slow and lumbering. They couldn't have gone too far away. Which leaves only one alternative. Fantastic as it sounds. And he rushes back into the building, up the stairs, and the next panel, and he's still thinking. There are two old maxims, one about having eliminated the possible, the impossible must be considered. The other, first impressions are often right. And in panel six, he has returned to the fancy painting of the caves and rocks and stuff that we saw. He's dragged a nice big fancy strange chair in front of it, and he sits down thinking. The quickest way to find out if I'm fantasising is to play sitting duck. Pretend to fall asleep next to this painting. Interesting. So, a slow dissolve of sorts. The caption to the first panel of page six says, As soon as the feigning sleeper slumps over in his chair, there is a movement in the painting, and a creature shambles out of the cave toward Kid Flash. And that's pretty much exactly what happens over the first couple of panels of page Six um, large creature. We get a really good look at it. We can see it as the has a gold belt, gold boots, sort of green pants for want of a better way of putting it, green braces, and it's holding what looks like a very malevolent looking cake icer. Gosh, gosh. Maybe that's why there's so much pink in the painting. Maybe it's all icing. Anyway, the creature has lumbered out of the painting, and indeed in panel two we can see it emerging completely from the frame. It's very interesting. Panel three, it's standing over Wally, activating the cake icer, and there's a zzz sound effect and a spark. Panel four. Wally wakes up. A caption says, Faster than light, Kid Flash jerks his head out of the way, causing the bolt to flash harmlessly past his head, and then snaps his head back into its original position. Yes, nice little sequence of three panels there showing Wally reacting and then moving back. Another caption is crammed into panel six, and it says, So rapidly has the entire movement taken place that the aliens are unaware that their victim is completely conscious. Gosh. Next panel's brilliant. We can see the creature stepping into the painting, carrying the supposedly unconscious Kid Flash. Wally is thinking, Earlier, when I touched this painting, it was two-dimensional. Now that I'm being carried into the painting, it's become three-dimensional. And then we have a slow dissolve of sorts, and the caption for the final panel of page six says, Inside the cave. Yes, now lumbering in, in the background, we can see the large creature carrying Wally, but in the foreground, we can see some human beings. A few people, there's a, couple, there's a girl, a few different men. It looks like they've got sticks and spades and they're breaking up rocks. They've always been put to work. Kid Flash in the background is thinking, A fantasy come true. The missing college personnel inside the cave working in a mine. Are these aliens raiding Earth for slave labour? Things start to kick off in the first panel of page seven as we get a nice insert of Wally crying, Everybody, hit the dirt! A twister's about to hit! And in the wider panel, we can see that the, all the human beings have been held captive, have got down on the ground, have stretched out, and Flash has started to rush around, creating a tornado in his wake, and he's almost bouncing off and bouncing into all the creatures, sending them flying. And as he does this, he thinks, There's enough power packed in a tornado to flatten things on Earth and off. 
And then the caption for panel three says... And when the aliens have all been flattened... Yeah, we can see a couple of creatures lying unconscious in the foreground of the panel. The human captives all ranging around behind Wally and one of the members of the faculty staff is standing next to Kid Flash and he says... Thanks, Kid Flash, but I'm afraid your rescue effort has been in vain. Some of us tried to escape from here, but when we reached the frame, we could go no further. And this next little bit of exposition is narrated by the faculty member in that tried and tested form of having a a cut-off, disembodied head stuck into the caption. Very, very effective. He continues, From this side, the display room is a two-dimensional painting, just as the cave is from the other side. And this is very trippy, actually. We see the faculty member standing with presumably two of the students, and they're looking at the other side of the frame, and sure enough, through the frame, we can see out into the the display room in the art centre. It's very reminiscent of an old movie, which I've taped a couple of times off Talking Pictures TV, called The Time Travels. There's almost that sense. Nightmare of Eden, the Doctor Who story, is another way of maybe referring it. Oh, yeah. Uh It's almost like this other world is just hanging in midair, but obviously, as far as they're concerned, it's just a painting. Wally has had some inspiration, though, obviously, in the next panel, as he looks down at one of the creatures and cries, Those headbands! Wonder if they could be the answer. Take them off the aliens, put them on your heads, and let's find out. There aren't enough to go round, so those who don't wear one hold hands with someone who does. He's thought of that very carefully, hasn't he? Hmm. The next panel, final panel of page seven, we can see that few folk are wearing headbands, few folk aren't. The member of faculty staff that Kid Flash was just talking to, he is very heroically not put on a headband. That's good, putting his students first. And he's holding hands with Wally as they move out of the cave. And Kid Flash says, Now... Follow me out of here. And the first three panels of page eight, very interesting. This would look terrific on the telly. It really would, or in a film or something. The first panel is of the painting hanging in the wall in the gallery in the art centre. We can see Wally and everyone moving towards us out of the cave. In panel two, they're a bit closer. And in panel three, they're stepping out of the frame and back into the art centre. Yay. Hooray, of course. Panel four, they're all assembled. Everyone's looking around. Another faculty member of staff says, Free. But I still don't see how. Kid Flash offers this explanation. The way I see it, whoever painted this was telepathically influenced by those aliens to duplicate a scene from their dimensional world. Simultaneously, they painted their side of the doorway. And he continues in the next panel. Once the painting on the Earth side was completed, the aliens wearing transdimensional headbands were able to cross over into our dimension. Now, this painting must be destroyed. And sure enough, in the background, we see one of the no longer... Imprisoned people reaching up and lifting the painting down from the wall. And the caption for the final panel of the story says... And as the painting is being burned... We see the painting giving off lots of flames and smoke in the background. And Hildy has arrived in the scene. She's registering, obviously, that everyone else is, is around. And she says... Well, it's about time you all showed up. Where? And she always going to ask, where have you been? A couple of people look towards her, smiling, as Kid Flash in the background starts to speed off, thinking... They'll give Hildy all the answers, while I slip away, switch identities, and keep my delayed appointment here. Fantastic. And a small caption says, The The end. end. Well... Other dimensions. Yes, other dimensions. I know what you're thinking, listeners. Hang on, that's a bit of a... That's a bit of a stretch. Well, it's another dimension. <laughs> Aliens mm-hmm. from another dimension using the painting as a way to, to break through into our dimension. That's worth talking about, isn't it? And it's only an eight-page story. <laughs> doesn't take Peter as long to edit. Come on. We're on a treadmill here. 
No, that was great, to be honest. I loved that. Some brilliant ideas just thrown into that almost throwaway little mm-hmm. story. It's I can imagine that at least being a three-part story if this was being told in The Flash nowadays, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm reminded of a couple of things. Firstly, the Suicide Squad story that yes. we did. Yes, with Karen Grace imagining the, the, the dinosaurs attacking. Yes. Uh, and it's basically a telepathic influence from the parallel Earth, which happened before Flash of Two Worlds. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very, very interesting. That one we covered just before Christmas. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, maybe if we read out our DC comic, we can explain, because there's nothing here to contradict it, that maybe mm. the same controlling intelligence was behind it. Mm-hmm. Mm. The other story I'm reminded of was the painting that ate Paris from Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run. Ah, yes. Have you read that? Or? I'm familiar with it because an episode of the Boahaha Justice League podcast talked about those issues of Doom Patrol because the Justice mm-hmm. League were involved. So I have, of course, yes. I have skimmed through and had a look at them since. Yes, uh-huh. it's great. Yes, it's, some of my favourite comics is Grant's Doom Patrol run. It's fantastic. Uh-huh. But in that, the Doom Patrol enter a painting that had eaten Paris. Funnily enough, yes, uh, <laughs> to try and free. <laughs> The city of Paris, and basically each level of the painting is a different artistic style. Sure. And they're all trapped in different areas, and they all have to do certain things to get it. But yeah, again, it's like entering a painting in order to, to do that. And obviously, uh, another Doctor Who reference, we've got the whole Gallifrey Falls painting as well. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. That's the point. I hadn't thought of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I even just like the simple way that the other dimensional world was sort of, was coloured in. The sort of pinks and purples were nice, a nice sort of contrast. Yeah. Greys and browns you normally get in a in a cave uh-huh. of sorts. It's it's a it's a minor thing, but it is quite effective. It was a nice, nice and short economical story. I'm stunned by how much they managed to cram in in the, the eight pages. Although it's quite a fair bit of supposition on Wally's part, and we don't actually get any real <laughs> explanation of who's in charge or yeah. is there any intelligence with these aliens? Why have mm-hmm. they got everyone breaking rocks in the cave? You know. The slave, you know, why have they got yeah. them as slaves? There's, there's plenty of room for a sequel or at least another few more pages mm-hmm. of exposition, don't you think? Yeah, if they've got these telepathic abilities and they've got transdimensional abilities, then yeah. you think they'd be able to create a mechanical digger for the cave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Phase one, acquire underpants. Phase three, profit. I do think that the aliens had a certain Jack Kirby like look to them. Certainly with the rocky exterior and like the, the type of tech that they had on them, it reminded me very much of kind of like Kirby's new god designs and stuff like that. It does look I can see that. Really yeah. interesting. Also the the way the headband sticks out, it kind of reminded me slightly of Jay Garrick's helmet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Aye, that's fair. <laughs> just slightly, just slightly. Hey, maybe they've already tried to attack Earth too and Jay scared them off. Gosh. Maybe that's what the uh, Jay story is all about in this issue. If only. Can you imagine they did that? <laughs> imagine all three of them encountered these aliens. From different... That would have been amazing. Yeah. But no, sadly, that's not the case. Yes, the Jay Garrick story that's reprinted is from issue 30 of All Flash from 1947. Oh. So, yeah, dig out your copy of All Flash issue 30 if you want to read along, or, of course, just continue through the copy of Flash 216. It's interesting because it has someone impersonating Jay Garrick with a rubber mask. <laughs> so... We could almost have decided to cover that if we'd felt like it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> One of those tropes we seem to have fallen into. <laughs> yes, yeah, someone impersonating him. It's a fun little tale. But no, it's it's not as much fun as the Wally one. It's nice to talk about Wally because, you know, as we say, he's, he's a favourite character of both of ours. Yeah. And he's not going to turn up in a podcast really that often. No, so true. It's nice that you spotted this one and thought, yeah, that just about fits into a remit. We can cover that. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And Steve Skeet's stories are always entertaining. I'm amazed that uh, he didn't give the faculty member the name Dr. Skeet or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As he normally does. 
Any chance to get his own name in a script, he usually adds it. Yes, that would have been funny. Yeah, this is so much fun. I do like the idea of Wally driving. And as we know from later stories, Wally's a bit of a ladies' man. Yes. It seems quite appropriate that he picks up sexy hippie chick, Hitchhiker. Yes. Uh, and she's like, oh, I haven't seen you around. You're a freshman. He's like, uh, no, I'm actually just in high school, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But still, you know, he's like, yeah, it's okay, I've got this. Yeah. It's very much a Wally thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we've had a couple of stories in the past. We've talked about how Robin has been off to college and stuff, mm-hmm. or university or wherever it is. Yeah. And it's nice to see this little development in Wally's life as well, I suppose. Yeah. All these kids are growing up. Yeah, exactly. And we're seeing it happen. It's great. Yes. I must say, just quickly going back to the story, I think my favourite bit and the funniest bit in it is when Wally pulls up a chair and sits in front of the painting and pretends to fall asleep. What are the aliens thinking he's doing at that moment? (laughs) That's a fair point. They can't be too smart, can they? No. I mean, that's that's so bizarre. It does emphasise, again, the point I was making about who supplied their tech and, you know, where did mm-hmm. they get all the equipment who's in charge because it lumbers out and zaps them with the cake icer. It's it's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. I love the panel of them just sitting down in front of the painting. That's that's mm-hmm. a cracker. It's great. And it's a very 1972-looking cherry sitting in. So that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm reminded also, now that I think about it, of the poster demon from Starman. Oh, yes. Yes. Very much so. Uh-huh. Can't help but wonder if maybe this was an influence from James Robinson as well. You know, if you're not familiar, listeners, go and read the James Robinson, Tony Harris, Peter Schneeberg, Starman. There's a story near the beginning with a mm-hmm. demon that lives in a poster that traps people, etc. Mm-hmm. And there's slight elements of that there, because that was weary people or people that weren't paying attention in some cases that were walking past. So yeah. were the aliens uh-huh. sort of standing just out of view inside the painting, waiting for a quiet morning when there was... You know, have been. and it's it's interesting the fact that it seems to be the entire faculty and every student that was supposed to be at the college <laughs> because there are, no one's around. So that now makes me think: mm. was there a grand opening that everyone attended, or did the uh-huh. creatures sneak out in the middle of the night and grab everyone, or did they just go marauding out one day and just grab everyone and no one got away? There's that to think about as well. Yeah. How did they manage to catch everyone? But you think there'd be signs if they had like physically gone out and. Yeah. rushed around trying to capture everyone. Do you think there's some physical evidence of, you know, of some sort of disruption? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. These are questions to which we will never know the answer. Until we write the sequel to this story. Yes, yes. Called 2.5D. Or we just do one called 5D, which has Wally teaming up with the, the latter lineup of the birds, because that ties into their song, 5D, Fifth Dimension. <laughs> that would work. And David Crosby could be pictured being incredulous at everything that's going on, but Roger McGuinn would take it in his stride because that's just the kind of guy he was, definitely. Of course. Wally will return before too long, I suppose, because there's, there's a couple of other stories that we will do that are due in the next couple mm-hmm. of years, you know, a publication that will feature him. So we will see him again, probably not for a while, but he will yeah. pop up again. And of course, then he will have quite a lot to do in Crisis and Infinite Earth, especially towards the end. <laughs> yes, definitely. definitely. <laughs> anyway, do we have any contemporary correspondence for this story, Peter? Sadly, there's nothing. There oh. are letter columns that do cover this issue, but none of them talk about this story. That's a shame. Which is very disappointing, but there we are. But if you want to write to us to tell us what you think of this story and our coverage of it, you can email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up some bonus content for this and indeed every episode. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail and let us know your <laughs> thoughts. 
It's at speakpipe.com forward slash the Earth 2 podcast. So awesome. yes, go there and leave your message. Yes, it'd be nice to hear from you. As usual, if you're able to go to wherever it is you receive your podcast and leave us a nice review, that would be appreciated. Terrific. On that note. On that note. I've been Peter. And I've been David. Thanks for joining us, kids. Take care. We'll see you soon on the Earth, the Earth 2D, 2D Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Panel 3 is a nice overhead cutaway shot of the... Oops, keep calling, want to call him the Flash. Not yet. I know, I know.